0: Hi, this is Rob Grimes, and I am pleased and accelerated to be the new host of the Accelerate podcast here on the Foodable Network. And this is the place where we're going to be talking all things technology as they apply to food and beverage. But in order to get there, we're going to be taking a look at the things that impact us, both in innovation, think of the future, how do we get from here to there? It's going to be a series of conversations that we have on different subjects and really taking a look at cool things, but really figuring out practically how they can apply. So with that, let's go ahead and get started with talking about technology, taking a look back at the trends for 23, and then going forward with what we're gonna do in 24 and beyond. I am really, really, really pleased to accelerate your day Uh, We're going to be talking about all kinds of things, technology. Uh, It's something that I'm very passionate about. I know all you listeners are passionate about this as well. But the key here is to have fun, to explore some things that maybe are thought-provoking and not what we normally think about, uh, to go some places, but also for you to participate and provide your ideas as well. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But to kick this off, I want to just go back about uh, three weeks ago at the end of the year when Paul uh, asked me to be his guest Uh, on Accelerate and talk about food trends for 2023 and the food and service tech trends. And, you know, we talked about a number of different subjects. I just want to remind you of them because they are going to, in fact, be the baseline for what we're going to talk about today. So Paul and I talked about a number of different things, including artificial intelligence, actually quite a while. Uh, We talked about big data. I think that might've been my term, and then we may have been using uh, the new terms uh, for using data. Uh, we had some discussion about the autonomous vehicles, artificial intelligence. We uh, clearly had a discussion about Web3, and we talked a little bit about some of the uh, Starbucks initiatives out there. And then, who's going to do well in 2023? Who are the thought leaders uh, in our industry as it comes to tech? Um, we talked a little bit about the history and innovation. And of course, with AI, you got to talk about machine learning. Now, why do I want to remind you of that? Because now we're going to go forward to the next subject. So, in between, then and now, uh, besides doing the polar bear plunge in uh, Margate, New Jersey, I did get to go to the CES show. And for those of you who've heard me speak before, and and I have this conversation all the time, the way to predict the future in food service technology is to take a look at what's coming out for the consumer. And we are really fortunate that early in the year, CES takes place in Vegas, and so it gives us an insight as to what's going to be appearing on the consumer shelves over the next 12 months. And my theory is that if it appears on the consumer shelves over the next 12 months, then it's something that the food and beverage industry and the restaurant industry can adopt, take advantage of, because the cost comes down. And so instead of focusing our time on developing hardware and things like that. We focus on how we want to use things and how do they fit together, especially in the software area. So I think it's quite appropriate that while many people, myself, but also other guests on other podcasts on the Foodable Network talked about what they saw as the trends for 2023. The important thing to note is that while technology may not be the driver to it all, it in fact enables it all. And so no, it doesn't matter whether it's HR or whatever it is that we have the ability to enable what we want to do and accomplish and move forward and serve our guests and take care of our employees through the use of technology. So I'm going to go ahead and take some of those themes that I talked about and some of the other themes that others have talked about on the Foodable Network, and let's take a look at CES to start, and then we'll come back around uh, and talk about some of the vision for the future and how they all apply. So anyone who has been to CES, well, let me tell you, you could spend a week there. I mean, anyone who has gone, I'd I'd urge you to go sometime. Um, There are all kinds of reasons to go to CES. You know, you might be looking for something for yourself and that's a good excuse, but you use the business excuse to go. I do a little bit of both uh, when I go, but I'll tell you that it's such a big show and it's all over Las Vegas and it's building after building and there's a lot of people and the problem or the challenge of CES, it is it can be overwhelming. There is so much to take uh, in, and you really do actually have to walk aisle by aisle because you never know when there's going to be that one little thing that sits out there that you pass by and you look at that. And I do this all the time, and I stop and I say, "What is that?" And then very quickly, after they start to explain it to me, I think, "Huh, okay." Maybe that can work. Maybe that can work in the food and beverage industry. Maybe it can work in hospitality or retail, you know, because we're pretty related there. And what I find is that in talking with the people who come up with these ideas is that many times they actually don't realize that there are other ways to use what they've come up with. I actually call these things cool ideas. I think that there are things and then you use your imagination to make it work. Generally, when I talk to them, I'm trying to use my imagination to say, okay, this is what they're showing, but here's where it could go. And I'm sure that we all see those. So let's talk about some of the things from CES this year. Well, CES tends to split things in different areas. And sometimes you get surprised. So for instance, I thought I was going into a section of CES this year to take a look at automotive devices because I have a car, as most of us do, and I wanted to get some gadgets for my car. And by the way, no gadgets at CES this year. I guess I had to go to SEMA or one of the other shows to see them. What I walked into was a brand new room that had electric vehicles, many, most, most of which I have never heard of, but everything electrical in the electrical vehicle space. Now, why is this important? It wasn't what I expected, but let me tell you, I saw some electric vehicles there that I wasn't expecting and I thought, wow, that could work. Especially uh, when I was taking a look at one electric vehicle coming out of France uh, that Lime, the guys who make the scooters, which I will probably never go on because I will probably fall off of them and break something. And then I won't be on the podcast anymore. But they made 5,000 vehicles that are two-seater cars for Lime that, that they are doing in Europe right now. And they're bringing them to the US. Why is this important? Because they were interchangeable batteries in them, and it allows you to essentially have unlimited mileage. Now, as I start to think of small form factor, inexpensive vehicles, of course, what I start to think of without getting into the autonomous vehicles, which were there as well, okay, that electric will in fact be the way of the future. Electric is everywhere for everything that we want to do. But to see all these new vehicles coming out, I just thought, wow, a lot of people are investing in this. We need to follow the electric vehicles that are out there. Now, I go ahead and I couple that with the autonomous uh, vehicles, which we've talked about before. So I've been covering a few things on that. And one of the things that stands out is the ability to make a regular vehicle an autonomous vehicle, okay? So what I'm saying is everything has a, uh, everything has a path you know, to it. It has a migration and things uh, transform themselves over time. And so today we picture a normal vehicle, but by putting something onto a luggage rack you know, or a bicycle rack on the top, and then connecting into the cars, we start to see the ability to turn these into autonomous vehicles that are self-driving. But it goes more than that. There was a number of vehicles and a number of devices that were being shown there with lidar uh, radar, which actually is taking a look at everything around it, the surroundings, and what were they selling? They were selling safety. Well, I go back, you know, I don't know how many years ago when we were talking about the liability in our in our industry of trying to deliver pizzas for instance in 30 minutes, okay? And then they went ahead and they they went ahead and they throttled that back that maybe it shouldn't be 30 minutes or we should change our delivery on it. Well, you know, we are going to want to be able to deliver things longer distance and we want to deliver them faster, you know, for sure. Uh, although we're overcoming some of the things like the hot and cold and and things like that in the delivery side, but safety is important. And so if we're able to look at the surroundings around us and make autonomous vehicles or make regular vehicles more safe, I think that that changes the way we look at delivery and the liability of delivery in the short term until we get to the point of figuring out whether really delivery by drone or autonomous Autonomous bots, you know, maybe not a full vehicle, you know, is going to be the way to go. Now, I will tell you that there certainly was autonomous there as well in smaller uh, things that can drop off a package, uh, you know, can pick up stuff, have the hot and cold. Okay, that's a different subject. But electric is in across the board. And with electric, I don't know how many boosts I saw with batteries. Sounds sort of boring, but if you think about it, the need for power is just a big thing in our industry. CES is showing portable power, smaller units. They actually were showing, you know, foldable buildings that had portable power on them, solar panels, cars with uh, ceramic tiles on it. You know, I started to think spaceship there. So it all fits together because we need power for almost everything we're doing. So Then we take a look at uh, some of the things like the smart homes. I always like taking a look at the smart homes because I start thinking of connectivity. I think Internet of Things. I think of how devices connect. And as soon as we have devices connecting with each other, you know, what happens is our ability to plug and play things into the environment you know, goes forward. Now you can go take a look at some of the big booths. You can go, I mean, the huge guys out there like the LGs and the Samsungs and people like that, they're showing their smart home technology for sure, Panasonic as well. And, but what they're showing is not only buying their technologies, but also using regular other technologies. And sometimes it's a matter of just adding a device into a port the same as you would do with a television that you want to go ahead and go ahead and stream on. And that's all it takes to become connected in the network. Because one of the other things I know that our industry is very sensitive to, especially since technology is moving so fast, is the cost of adoption and the budgets. You can't afford to throw everything away. There has to be that middle ground that takes us forward. Well, if we take normal smart devices and smart homes, which are connecting things to each other, and we adopt those and we put those in the kitchen, for instance, connecting equipment to each other and power grids and things like that, that actually makes it, a, uh, it makes it something that we can take advantage of. Now, along with that, there were some other interesting things that went with the smart home because they have to communicate. So we're not just talking about, you know, the high-speed access and communication, uh, you know, throughout the house and, and networks and things like that. Actually, one of the more interesting things I saw was electric power provided wirelessly from the ceiling. Um, I saw that a few years ago there. I do think that that is the future in a smart home. And I think it is therefore the future inside of a restaurant as we go forward. And what I'm talking about here very specifically is the ability through, it used to be a light bulb and it was, and you wouldn't even know it was there, by the way, they had uh, fixtures in the ceiling and, uh, and they had what looked like light bulbs or spotlights hanging down but it is delivering power. It was an Israeli company the one that I looked at delivering power you know within 50-60 feet up uh, to any device. Now not not tons of power, but enough power to uh, enough power to power a handheld terminal, enough power to put a tableside kiosk that we see with no wires. Okay? Now they were also sewing shelf labeling powered by it. So it's, if it's enough to do a handheld unit or a phone, A, we take care of our, our guest that way, but B, start thinking about handheld terminals that we're using, right? And I'm not just talking about handheld terminals as they're being used for point of sale or if they're being used for inventory and ordering. We can go more and more that way and power them and no more pads, no more electric things. And our customers can come in you know, and do this same thing. So this gives us the ability to move things around on low power. I think that was pretty cool. Uh, I did see a number of things that I think are interesting that are coming about. A whole bunch of different vending machines there. Uh, it's interesting to me how you sometimes talk to people and they're showing you a technology and they tell you how it's going to be in your industry. And I saw one in particular that uh, was made for food service and serving alcohol. But they, I, I always ask them, I say, you know, what, what gave you that idea? You know, like, why did you do that? And, and it's interesting where people come from and how they came up with the idea. Well, in this particular case, uh, they thought there needed to be a vending of, uh, of bottles and cans of things. Uh, but what was their secret sauce? Their secret sauce was, in fact, the ability to do card checking, you know, and ID checking. And then once it's done once, matching the face up and then know the next beer and the next thing that they want to do the next time to come to state it. Well, my comment was, I thought this was great to have vending that way. And I love the way of the check, but the, of checking out the IDs and things. However, you know, other industries like the convenience store industry and NAX, you know, came out with something called, uh, uh, I think it's True check, you know, where they're able to actually do that. That will become an industry standard. And so sometimes... It's our job to see a new technology or a great cool idea out there and then be able to marry it with something that's, that does exist. And that's how we can bring technology into the restaurant industry. So just a couple of other things, and, and then we'll go on sort of to where does this all go, right? Uh, but robots, okay. We all talk about robots. Now I'm gonna just tell you, yeah, sure. There was two or three barista machines that was the robotic barista. Nothing new, we've seen it. We've all seen you know, Flippy and, and other things that are doing things there. Um, as it exists right now, most of the robots that I see out there are really going to be in one of two places. And I think this was very clear at CES. Uh, one place is gonna be, it's gonna be in the back of the house doing tasks. Why would I say that? Because they're showing at CES things that are working in the manufacturing plant that are picking things up off of shelves, moving them around. And we already know that the arms can do certain tasks. But in the front of the house, it seems, and I didn't see really anything that changes my opinion on this in the short term, uh, we see robotics that are mainly being used as assistance for people uh, to help them to deliver food to the table, take away the dishes, but not necessarily interact with the guests. Now, yes, there were robots there that they talked about, you know, in airports as informational pieces. But I think in order for it to really come out, we're going to have to start to see the shift of robots with uh, AI intelligence, which there were some there, but they weren't necessarily put together. The ones that were there with the AI intelligence were really there to show you how they can interact with humans, answer questions, and and look like humans. And And I have some video from some of that. By the way, all of the types of things I'm talking about right now I expect to to post, you know, on uh, on my pages uh, in the next few weeks, and we'll certainly give you access to that, just to sort of see these ideas that are out there. Uh, but you can combine the robots with the vending machines, because in reality, some vending machines are actually robots inside. And I did see one that's going to be at the National Retail Federation show next week. Uh, that was uh, basically a Chinese restaurant and a vending machine. They had different Chinese menus. They could hold up to 50 items. I've been through Chicago airport. I've seen the salad bar machines and things. So we're talking about fresh food, okay, uh, prepared and then made and given to the guest where they are. Uh, So vending machines are hot, tied with robots, and then you have to have the artificial intelligence. This is what Paul spoke to me about. Uh, we, we had this conversation about last week. I know he's very big into this, but the idea if you really wanna to start to move forward with the guest and interacting with guests and interacting with employees, the artificial intelligence uh, is, is there. Now, I'm gonna save something, by the way, for the next episode. Uh, that we do where we'll uh, probably delve a lot into artificial intelligence and how we can start uh, tying that together, including robots, uh, with um, you know, with how we interact with both guests and employees. Uh, there were a couple of other cool things, and then I think we'll move on uh, to really uh, taking a look at what does this really apply and mean as we look forward. Uh, the other two things that I, w- I would mention is there are an awful lot of translation devices out there. They've been there for years. Obviously, you know, I go ahead and translate uh, things all the time. Uh, When somebody sends me an email from Japan, I'll translate it. But it's getting much better. But what I really like about it, remember, the consumer electronics show. This means that we have to be using consumer types of devices. When I start seeing universal earpods and the translation is really software going through a phone and that people are having... Conversational ordering. Gee, where have I heard that, right? So conversational ordering is a key thing that we have been looking about in our industry. But generally what we meant is when the person across the counter is having a conversation with us, we're actually putting that order in and then it's appearing somewhere else, you know, on a screen somewhere in the back. So you're preparing the order as you go. Well, when I start seeing translation devices, and usually they have at least 37 different languages. I don't know why 37, maybe this is like Baskin and Robbins or something like that, that has, I don't know how many flavors they have. I'm sure somebody's gonna write me a note. Tell me how many flavors there are in Baskin and Robbins. But anyway, there seem to be these 37 languages that everybody seems to do. So it must be a universal base. Uh, And what I see is conversational, which means smooth translation as you are speaking. And I absolutely think that's going to get embedded in the drive through It's going to be in your cars for the ordering. We're back to the automobiles. Um, you know, and it also is going to allow us, because in our industry, somebody was telling me the other day that there are at least 15 to 20 main, uh, main uh, groups of people that are working in our industry today from places we may not have thought about before with all kinds of language skills. And this translation piece in an earbud that is not seen is going to be the game changer uh, for us until we get to the point where we just have that chip embedded in our head or something like that. Uh, but that's going to be the game changer uh, for us to work with employees that come from different backgrounds and um, and uh, and have them work in our industry and, and also for guests, of course, as well. So I want to just take a breath for a moment. And just uh, before we go on to the next piece, which really uh, talks about how do we look at the future and apply these things that are there. I just want to remind you that you should, you know, subscribe obviously, and you should send us a note at accelerate at uh, you know, because we want to know uh, what you think, you know, and what you're hearing. Uh, Out there. You also can uh, write to me if you want at uh, coolideas at uh, robertgrimes.com because I want to hear what's going on. I don't have the ideas. I just get out there and see things just like all of you do. And so we need to do that. So let's go ahead and uh, take a look at really the next piece that sort of ties this together. And so remember, we've started first with taking a look at the trends, which were being predicted in December by myself and other people and with technology as a core backbone. We then get to go to CES and say, how do we marry this up or make some of these trends more of a reality, make them financially uh, available uh, to us uh, and and in commodity uh, so we're not actually fighting to get things developed. So we look at CES. And then we're going to spend the rest of our year you know, figuring out how to uh, put those things in. And there are a lot of really smart people, a lot of smart people, uh, Uh, smart operators and smart suppliers that are going to put that together for us. So where we're going to go forward uh, with this podcast uh, into the future to accelerate your growth and accelerate how technology goes, which is fast enough as it is, maybe too fast, but it's going to get faster, is to really think about the future. Now, this is something that I have been uh, talking about for the last three to four months. I did have my mind changed on how I viewed the future, Uh, on a trip to Israel uh, over Labor Day weekend last year. And it was because of a debate. And any cool idea or any thought of the future is a debate. It's a conversation. It's a heated conversation when it's people in the restaurant industry, for sure. And I've had a number of those. And I wanna just sort of throw out some themes that we need to be thinking about as we go forward, because sometimes it is hard to really put it together and think about the future. And The reason why we started with the trends for this year is because that's something you can touch and feel. And then CES is something you can touch and feel for the next two to three years, right? Because not everything's released at the beginning of the year. So it'll take some time to come out and then it's got to be adopted for our industry by some really smart people. But you got to keep the end in mind. You got to think about where you're going to be. So I would look at the future and let's say the next 30 years is that there's going to be a number of areas where things need to evolve. And I have broken those out, excuse me, not me, the futurist, right? Because I'm not the futurist, okay? I'm just trying to sit here and translate and figure out what they tell me, how does this go? How does somebody in some small booth in some end of aisle at CES, what are they telling me? What does that mean for the food and beverage industry? And technology, and you know, how does it fit together? So I listen to a futurist and I pretty much break things down into five different areas, uh, evolution, technology, the people, the food, and the experiences, and I'm going to leave the details of getting into a lot of conversation and ideas on this for future uh, future episodes of this of the Accelerate podcast. But I just want to make sure that we look at the foundation because these are probably the five building blocks of a foundation of where technology in the food and beverage industry goes in the future. And then it's gonna take a lot of different people to get us there. And they, and those will be the conversations that we have going forward. So what I'm trying to show you is that the building blocks already exist. The technology base is already there, whether it's robotics, whether it's autonomous vehicles, artificial intelligence, which has a huge way to go, uh, not only in, in how it works, but how it's delivered or making it practical. Uh, practical meaning, for instance, possibly chips and things. So. The robots are evolving right now and transportation is evolving right now. We saw, I just did a whole thing on electric vehicles and all the new ways of delivery and things like that. So we have the evolution occurring already, putting the pieces in place that will take us 20, 30 years out. And we're gonna look at them probably on three to five year chunks because technology is moving that quick. So that means the technology itself has to move to make things really evolve. And we've talked about artificial intelligence and machine learning. Clearly, that's out there. We're starting to see it in many of the applications behind the scenes that are offered to the industry, uh, but many of the applications behind the scenes that were offered to the consumer. And the theory, again, is the consumer gets it. They're going to ask us for it. So we need to be prepared. The good news is, is that if the consumer asks for it, it's a lot easier to put it in and, and make it work for us. And they give us the ideas, either the consumer or other industries. I think we're going to see a lot in the way of chips. I did see a lot of things in chips uh, at CES. Even, you know, that wireless home with the light bulbs up above your head, they showed me how you can take a regular uh, device and make it wireless charging. And there were some things that wireless charging pads and all it was was a sticker that you could put on. As a matter of fact, there was a booth that was showing how you'd be able to print these stickers at a cost of seven or eight cents a piece and apply them and they'd be able to be batteries, number one, which was very interesting to me, Um, but also they'd be able to be communication devices to connect into the network. So as soon as we start focusing on the technology itself, we get the chips that are out there and we get the add-on devices, but what it really does is we can go ahead and throw around that term, you know, internet of things and, and everything's connected. We can, we can throw that around, you know, all day long. But in reality, it really has to be a neural network. It has to be, you know, neural network might in fact think about people communicating with each other, which I do believe is going to happen. We're not talking about, you know, uh, telepathically. I think that long term that will happen because we will have chips inside and we will be able to connect to the network around us, right, which is everywhere, and then we can share information. But in the short term, um, I do believe that we have to connect with each other because artificial intelligence uh, and and, uh, machine learning actually needs to be delivered somehow, and it's gonna be delivered in intuitive shared knowledge. And that knowledge has to be delivered to us right to our brain. Now, it may start on a wristwatch, it may start in a pair of glasses, I'm still not wearing you know, those glasses until, they, until I don't look like I'm wearing the glasses, right? But by the time I'm ready to wear those glasses, by the way, it's gonna be in a contact lens and it doesn't matter anyway. So uh, anyway, I need to deliver it to myself somehow being connected with the network. And I think that's where the technology is going to connect the things and share the knowledge. And that's where we put these things together. So that brings us to the people. And I know there are tons of discussions going on about robots and replacing people. I have never looked at robots as replacing people. I see them as helping us. Now, long-term, do I think that they will replace us? No, I don't think they'll replace us, but I think that they're going to change the way we do business. But if you think about it, the whole hospitality industry and the restaurant industry is going to change because we are going to start getting to the point where we are essentially creating the restaurant in our house. And I'm not talking about delivery to our house, I'm actually talking about preparing in our house and then uh, gathering and eating, but that will be for another subject. Uh, so I think that people will evolve as well. They will have the collective uh, memory access. Uh, we are focused on wellness, and, and as we focus on that, I can tell you the food tech areas of CES had a lot of things that had to do with wellness. Uh, people coming up with things for athletes. Uh, when you put something in the pan, you're not following the recipe, oh, you're supposed to be on this diet, and it knows. What you have put in, uh, as somebody uh, said to me, there are really three things to uh, cooking with technology. There's the uh, temperature, there's the time, and there's the ingredients. And they're tying this all together uh, so that they can do that. Um, That's gonna bring us to the food. I'm gonna tell you the food absolutely will change. I saw the 3D printers there. 3D printers are not new. 3D printing for food is interesting. But in order to get to really high volume uh, vending machines or on-demand delivery, the food is changing. And you know, we've seen over the years, the last few years, the plant-based technologies out there coming out where you don't really know the difference between meat. So really the last areas experiences, and I'm gonna just tell you that it is the experience that really makes it in the in the food and beverage, the restaurant industry. That is the one that people argue the most, You know, that you can't do away with the experience, the one-on-one, but really what is one-on-one with people? What is the experience of networking and enjoying a meal and doing things? I do believe that over time, the experience uh, will change, but I will tell you, I do not want it to be lost. Because look, I'm a restaurant manager. I happen to be in technology, right? What really is experience on one side for the guest, but it's culture on the other side for us. For the operator, it is about their culture. It is how we compete. It's what makes us, we cannot lose the culture as we deliver the experience in other places. And whether we deliver that experience as holograms and we're doing 3D printing of food somewhere, and it probably won't be 3D printing, or it's even out of this world somewhere else, we have to create the experience, we have to capture the culture we need to solve the food because people have an expectation for what we do. So these five areas uh, that I gave you of the evolution, the technology, the people, the food, and the experiences are really what ties us together for the future. So it has been a pleasure to uh, speak with you today and start what I hope will be a very long conversation in food and beverage technology, generating cool ideas, uh, and all kinds of things that will take our industry forward in the future, both for those who operate as well as uh, those who are our guests. Uh, to that end, uh, if you have any ideas, uh, you can go ahead and email them directly to me at coolideas at and uh, that's where just share whatever you see send a link whatever it is because i'm interested it may make it here or it'll just be a great conversation that we have but there's a lot of cool stuff out there and we're all out there together on that one if you have any comments or questions for the show uh, please send them to accelerate at foodabletv.com. and then lastly This show is brought to you by the IFBTA, the International Food and Beverage Technology Association, who is the industry's voice for technology, providing thought leadership as a single impartial resource for all things food and beverage. And of course, they're doing that both in person and through virtual communities, chapters, events, and networking. And then they provide a lot of education and all-encompassing directory of information. The bottom line is the IFBTA is your place to gather, learn, and share and Accelerate is your place to really have the conversations about technology and those things that accelerate the food and beverage industry. I'm Rob Grimes. Thank you very much for joining us today. And I'll look forward to continuing the conversation with you over the weeks to come.